our system of race is like a two-headed hydra. One head consists of outright racism, the oppression of some people on grounds of who they are. The other head consists of white privilege, a system by which whites help and buoy each other up. If one lops off a single head, say outright racism, but leaves the other intact, uh, our system of white over black brown will remain virtually unchanged. The predicament of social reform, as one writer pointed out, is that everything must change at once. Otherwise, change is swallowed up by the remaining elements so that we remain roughly as we were before. That's a quote by Richard Delgado in the book, Critical Race Theory and Introduction. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dire Conversations. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We have a special guest with us today, somebody that I actually connected with on social media a few months ago where, and I can't even remember if it was me who connected with you or you who connected with me, but essentially we found each other uh, through some of the critical race theory studies that we've been doing and coming to some similar conclusions. And so I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Welcome to the podcast, Miss Steadfast Truth Ministries. My name is Kelly Benware. I am the founder and the president of Steadfast Truth Ministries. Our ministry is it is an official 501c3 nonprofit, and thankfully that was all accomplished within less than a year from today. So grateful that God has moved and he has provided. Uh, our ministry, it exists to help people understand culture, understand what is not biblical and what is biblical, because we believe culture is telling us a lot of things right now and a lot of things that we are not educated on as believers. So our purpose is to help people understand. So we, we say seekers that could be believer or non-believer, anybody that wants to understand culture through a biblical lens, that's who we are trying to reach. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, one of the things that you and I have talked about a lot is just how, you know, we need people who are being proactive. We need Christians who are being proactive, um, the culture is is not just resisting us anymore they are attacking us and they're coming uh for our destruction you know and some people might not think that but but i believe that's the case and so one of those things that you and i, I think are in agreement on is uh, about the idea of critical race theory and that's how we originally connected so if anybody goes and, and checks you out which i highly suggest on instagram go and find steadfast truth ministries you will see that uh that she presents all the time, good quotes and analysis and, and stuff to show you like, hey, this is not what we need to be following. This sort of thing is not biblical. So tell us a little bit about your background, uh, like, you know, what, it, what your upbringing was like, and then how you got to this point to wanting to start this ministry. Yeah. I grew up in the church. I grew up in Southern California. So I was 30 minutes from the Mexico border. I loved culture. I remember just the Latino culture was my love because that is what we were near. And so there were a lot of influences in San Diego, California, where I grew up. Um, again, I was a pastor's child. So I grew up in the church. I grew up grounded in what I believed in. And that eventually really laid a foundation to helping me stay firm and where I am today, but I, I won't say it wasn't without, you know, some, some really hard times. Um, so grew up in the church as a professional, I've worked in 
different Christian ministries, churches, a conference center, number of Christian colleges. So I've kind of run that gamut of Christian ministry. I mean, so, you know, you grew up in the church and um, you start to get out on your own. And what was it, what was it that kind of brought you into contact with critical race theory, even if you didn't know what it was at first, what was the things that first brought that on your radar? So I have two intercultural degrees. It was my bachelor's and my master's. I loved, again, intercultural studies. That's what I studied. That's what I thought I would be using in life, whether it was going overseas or not. I ended up getting married, having a family. And so we are not overseas. But again, always had that passion for intercultural studies. Later in life as an adult, not that I was an adult before, but progressed into my adult years, I ran into a Christian situation and it took me a few years to really start to understand what I was seeing. And even then I could not verbalize, which brought me on this journey of researching and trying to understand and express. So it was a few years of being in a Christian environment where we as Christian leaders and professionals would train, teach, be taught, and we would say Christ is the center of everything. But what I started to notice is that it, it was a different conversation than intercultural studies in my previous years. So for me, I started to realize we're a Christian organization, but I felt like our focus, that it was just kind of Christ baked into everything, but really our focus was diversity over Christ. And there is an importance in diversity, but I, I really started to believe over the few year period that we were changing our worldview because everything that we assessed was through the lens of diversity. And I don't want to jump too far ahead of you again. So no, no, I mean, Hey, listen, this conversation is just going to go where it's going to go. So that's totally fine. Um, one of the things that I want to emphasize right off the bat, and this is something that I've talked like when I had Monique Dusson on, if people are familiar with her and we were talking about critical race theory is that you can disagree with critical race theory. And with that, even if somebody doesn't call it critical race theory, but basically that same sort of mindset, you could completely disagree with that, but also understand that there are issues of racism in our culture, that there is issues of, you know, disunity and things that need to be healed. You know, and I've even talked about before to people that the idea that all people in America are kind of like on an equal playing field isn't necessarily exactly right. Like there's some nuance there. You know, for example, you could have a kid who, um, all things being equal, grows up, let's say, in the inner city, and his mom, I'm not, you know, regardless of race, his mom, um, let's say, single mom, dad's not in the picture, and then she's addicted to drugs, but then also has to work two or three jobs in order to feed the mouths of all the kids. And he's the eldest son, so he's got to help take care of the younger kids. So he can't necessarily go to school or study as much as he wants to. So he's getting bad grades. You know, and all that stuff sort of cycles. And then before he knows it, he has an option to say, okay, I can either like go work at some low level fast food joint job making, you know, eight, $10 an hour, or I can, you know, sling drugs over here and make a thousand dollars a week and help pay for food because we don't have food. And uh, you can, you really blame a lot of kids for doing that. Um, so, you know, the idea that everybody is on a legal, equal playing field is not necessarily the case. And so we can recognize those sort of things like, hey, there might be segments in our society who aren't given even the, the 
the most basic opportunities that some of some others have been blessed with. And I don't think it's based off a of race, but we can still acknowledge those things and say, there's work to be done to help heal things in our culture. So I think that's important because I, I never want people to think that we come across as just um, cold hearted, like we don't care. We don't have compassion because, you know, we're Christians. We're supposed to have compassion for people. Um, but you pointed out something really interesting and you said, we had this concept of like, yeah, we're centered around Jesus, but you didn't use this word, but this is the word that I came up with. So tell me if I'm wrong. The content though, wasn't there. It's like the word was hollow. Yeah, it's Jesus. But what do you mean that we're centered around Jesus? Because as you were saying, they're kind of like focusing everything through this diversity lens. Would I be, would it be accurate in, in that assessment? I would not quite, but before I explain that on your previous statement, I would want to agree with you and just say racism does exist mm -hmm. in all that I do. It is not to say racism does not exist. It is not to minimize pain or past history. I believe we should tell history and be truthful about that. Uh, but there needs to be a consistency with how we discuss that. And we need to start on a biblical foundation, which is where a big basis of where I think CRT starts off wrong. In regards to your other question, we were an organization very grounded in what, so from my experience, I fell into a very deep depression because I was around a number of leaders who were just brilliant, brilliant Christian leaders. And no one really saw my concern that we were starting to use a different filter worldview that we were kind of going off base with how we were filtering things. So I found myself as I stepped away from that environment, being able to reflect, starting to do research, what was it I was trying to understand? I started to come across at that time, Vodi Bauckham, Owen Strain, which I'm so grateful they came out with books that explain it and they're not afraid to speak biblically. I think a lot of Christians don't understand the conversation. They don't know what's coming at them because I didn't understand it. We didn't talk about CRT. No one said the phrase. It wasn't the hot topic in news. It wasn't what it is now. And so at the time, I couldn't explain it. So really having voices like Vodi Bauckham, Owen Strain, you have Thaddeus Williams, Monique Dusan, as you mentioned, a number of them that are coming out, Virgil Walker, Daryl Harrison, love all those Just Thinking podcasts. So those are very critical in my coming out of this and realizing what my question had become from being in that environment, because we tried to tag the gospel onto everything diversity focused. So we would add scripture to it, but I realized we were using the wrong concepts. So I, I walked away thinking, if Christ is not enough, what is the answer? I remember asking a supervisor, am I naive to even be thinking that, that you know, that Christ is enough? And I, I don't remember the exact response, but it was kind of, because uh, there is this as Christians, as you kind of mentioned, Billy, we have to be active in our faith. Um, that's the fruit of what we believe in, but it comes from our faith. It's not our works that saves us. And so 
the difference here is that I was in an environment and I felt like it was really becoming works-based, that we were focused on these concepts of diversity that we had to teach race. We had to teach kind of the, I don't, I can't recall if we were really pushing white privilege, but all those concepts were very much accepted. And I had one friend who I'm racist, I accept that. Um, I'm privileged. But when you're in these conversations, it's only white privilege. It's not a conversation that's consistent. As you mentioned, there are other people and situations who don't live on an equal playing field. So this conversation is inconsistent in that. Um, so I've touched on a lot of different issues, but it was not, as you mentioned, that we did not have Christ in the mix. What really got me is that we would attach scripture to everything. So I could never... I wasn't trying to win conversations. I essentially sat back for a few years and just listened because I realized no matter what I said, it would always be responded to with scripture and somehow made acceptable. And so for me, I was like, how do you combat this? And how am I just off if I'm the only one thinking this? So that's why I really had to step away, do research, kind of get away from that environment. That was a lot of tangents, but bigger no, answer than... That's, that's awesome though. And I think it's a testimony to, to anybody out there that like, Hey, listen, just because somebody has a PhD or, you know, whatever other degree, or they hold some sort of, you know, position of authority, it doesn't make them infallible. You know, we are mm -hmm. all, especially as Christians, like we are all called to use our own brains to critically think. And if something's not sitting well, like that's okay. Say, you know what? Trust, but verify. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll take what you have to say, but that's not sitting right. I'm going to go do some research. I want to question. And, and that's how real change happens. That's how real um, discovery of truth happens is when, you know, people actually challenge the status quo and, and be willing to be like, well, maybe the status quo is right. I need to accept the fact that I'm wrong. But at the end of the day, just being willing to, to challenge your own thought processes. Yeah. Um, so, one thing I, can I just insert yeah. there? I really wanted to make sure, am I just being insensitive? And I think that's where a lot of us get caught up in this whole conversation because we think the Christian thing to do is to be humble, to accept maybe I'm privileged, to accept maybe I have subconscious racism, all these different things. But if you start going back to the original sources, the content is not based in scripture. And so it's a much bigger conversation but I realized I was trying to be so accepting and understanding and just kind of trusting everybody around me that I really, I went into depression. I was in a place where I didn't want to live anymore. Uh, never did try to take my life, but um, just some very dark times for me. And so I would say if you're in an environment like this, make sure that you are considerate when people say, do you, do you not listen to others? I do listen to others, but I've had to learn that I know what is true and I believe in Jesus and the gospel and past that I will be considerate, but I need to stand on that because I let that shake my faith. That's right. And you know what? We're glad you pulled through it because you got a, a great ministry and we love what you're doing. Um, and I mean, just the fact that you're a human being, we're, <laughs> we're glad of that too. But um, you know, this, 
this concept is a sensitive topic, you know, and that's the whole deal is like, we're not trying to come across as saying that we don't care about other people's feelings or mm-hmm. that we don't want to listen to other people. But it, when we talk about being humble as Christians, we're humble about who we are. We're not humble about the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, we're definitely not humble about the gospel. We're supposed to be bold and proclaiming it. So if something's true, it's actually wrong to allow falsehood to overtake it, you know? And, and so that's important. What, let's talk about the importance of this topic. Um, critical mm-hmm. race theory or any of its, you know, affiliates that, that might branch off of it. Because I know a lot of times people will be like, well, that's not what critical race theory is. And I can give them a direct quote from critical race theory, you know, advocates who say, this is what critical race theory is, but they'll still mm-hmm. say, that's not what it is. But regardless, this whole branch, this whole umbrella of, of this idea, why do you think it is important for Christians to not just avoid the topic because it's like a hot button issue and it can cause a lot of passions. Why do you think Christians should get involved in having the discussion? I think you have mentioned the education of it and awareness. For me, I wished one person could explain to me or could have said, this is what you're hearing. This is why it doesn't line up with scripture. This doesn't make sense. It's a CRT, the conversation of theory, intersectionality, wokeness, critical social justice, whatever you want to call it, is very confusing. And it's it's inconsistent. Most people will not adopt to all of the same bits and pieces, and most people will change the conversation. That's what I found. Well, we can do this with that. And so it's really hard to discuss. So educating, going back to the original sources is vital and understanding what is actually being said, what they truly believe. And I've noticed a lot of people who will say, people always ask me if I'm a critical race theorist and as Christians and, and it, it detracts from my ministry. That's what I'm not about. But if you go to their teachings and you start to see what they're teaching, you start seeing connections. And that's what concerns me is that believers, and I've noticed certain Christian environments that are not sharing this side of the story. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's that they don't understand it. They don't know about it really. But to me, I'm like, how can you not know about it? But I will say the believers I was with genuinely love God. They thought that they were following God. So I think right, right now, a big part of it is education so that we can learn to start filtering. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've met plenty of, of Christians who, I think buy into, they don't buy into critical race theory because they don't know what it is. They buy into something that sounds like compassion. That mm-hmm. sounds like I want to help the hurting. I want to, I want to fight injustice because that's what we're supposed to do. Right. But, but it's been, they've been sold a bill of goods. They've been hoodwinked. But they don't really know what critical race theory is because mm-hmm. the thing is I've read and I know you have read multiple, multiple books by people who are critical race theory advocates. So you can go back to the original sources and say, this is exactly what they're saying. This is what they are teaching. I'm not listening to what Joe Blow tells me that they say. This is what they are saying from their own words. Mm-hmm. And then I present that to people and you present that to people. And then, you know, those good-minded, good-hearted Christians who just don't know any better will be like, well, that's not what it is, which that's frustrating in and of itself. But that's what makes me think, they don't really understand it. And they are, what they're really trying to do is just say, injustice is bad. Lack of compassion is bad. 
We want all people to, to be able to prosper and, you know, not a health, wealth gospel, but, you know, to have a good life, to be able to have opportunities and not be held down unjustly. And yeah, we're all for that. The question is, is critical race theory not only the best way to get to it, but is it even a good way to get to it? I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think so. Um, and so I want to read this quote here that I have by Francis Schaeffer. He's a Christian theologian, philosopher. Um, he's talking about the French Revolution, the bloody French Revolution that led to the dictatorial rule of Napoleon Bonaparte, right? Little known guy. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of him before. And uh, he says that the reason why the French Revolution happened was that they were trying to, quote, reproduce the English conditions without the Reformation base but rather on Voltaire's humanist enlightenment base. So essentially what he says is the French Revolution tried to do what what the English did, but instead of based on, you know, some sort of like Christian or gospel message, they did it on a humanist base. And then if anybody knows anything about history, that was a very, very bad uh, revolution that the French had. So the point he goes on to make is essentially this, and these are my words, that today's ideas become tomorrow's revolutions. And this is why I personally think it's important for us to have these conversations now while it's still kind of at the academic. I mean, I think it's definitely made it down to the normal level of every day. But before it becomes like the overall predominant view and you and I are, and other people are almost the, the sole voice against it, because if we don't do that now, that's what's going to happen. And then your voice is going to get snuffed out. Would you agree? We, yes. <laughs> so I would say you're reading some sources that I've not gotten into. As far as Steadfast Truth Ministries, we try to stay gospel centered. It really is hard to stay out of politics. And I know some words like revolution, Marxism, scare some people away from the conversation. So we really try to stay gospel centered. Um, not that you are not, not that you are not at all. Uh, but we just are trying to stay more focused on how it's not biblical. Mm-hmm. I do agree with you that it, it is almost becoming accepted thought and Christians aren't even questioning it rather the environment I was in, we accepted it as truth. And then we added scripture to it. So for instance, there was one part of that job that I remember, and I try to be vague. I've told Billy this, that, that my heart is not to single out anybody, because I think that this is so widespread now that we just need to learn to filter as Christians. Mm -hmm. We had taken in the organization I refer to the word justice, and we made our own definition. We did not go back to scripture and do that exegetically. So if you're not familiar with exegesis, that's interpreting scripture as God intended it. If you're talking eisegesis, that's interpreting scripture as I want to. So that is essentially what we were doing in that situation. And so setting a preface for how we wanted to run a certain area, and we were making our own definition of justice, putting scripture to it. So that's where I think the concern really is for me is that as Christians, we've just accepted it, like you're saying, Billy, and that if we're not careful, it really does become a norm. And I see that happening in Christian, a lot of Christian organizations. And I see people, as you said, doing it compassionately, 
and they're not educated to recognize or people might say I've heard of CRT, but they're not educated on how it um, exhibits today. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's a very valid point. Yeah. I read the quote by Schaefer about revolution. Obviously he's talking political and, and national stuff. And that wasn't, that wasn't what I was intending is more of like an application of we're going to have a cultural revolution where the mindset of the normal American person is that, Oh yeah, this is completely normal. Everybody accepts this. What are you doing with two heads over there thinking that you shouldn't believe in critical race theory. And then you're just fighting an uphill battle, you know? Yes, and it's like, I do we, agree with you on that point. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good clarification. I appreciate that. Um, so let's talk about, I mean, we've talked about kind of like around this topic a little bit. Let's actually talk about what critical race theory is. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the books, again, it's a pretty standard book that people will read um, is a book by Richard Delgado and uh, Gene Stefankic, which is critical race theory and introduction. And I've read the book personally. Um, I've read it and then reread parts of it again, just to make sure that I'm clear on everything. And they say this in the book that these are the four tenets of critical race theory. And I'm sure that that kind of modifies itself across who's writing, you know, about it, but basically the same concept. And here they are. Number one, racism is ordinary. Number two, there exists a white over color ascendancy. Number three, there's racial categories that racial categories are social constructs. And number four, that there's a unique voice of color. And so what they mean by that last one is essentially that if you are a person of color, that you have a unique voice to speak uh, about certain things that white people aren't allowed to talk about and don't have a voice to talk about certain things. So is that pretty standard? Do you think as far as what you found as you've studied out critical race theory? Yes. One of my favorites to go back to, if you want really detailed information is Neil Shenby. He's an apologist. Mm -hmm. He has a bunch of different reviews and web pages. What I love about him, he goes back to the sources like you just did, Robert Delgado, some of those big names in critical race theory. So yes, I would agree with you. As you start to branch out, you will see some variations and where they might add different tenants or kind of edit some. But I would, yes, I agree those four generally pretty standard. And again, Neil Shenby would be one that would have a lot, but if you're not familiar with the conversation, it can get overwhelming. So yes, I would agree. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's the thing is that when you jump into this, you know, you have, you have academic writers and then you have popular level writers and then you have like the TikTok people, you know, and you have to understand that at those different levels, you're going to get a different feel for it. Right. You know, at the academic level, obviously it's going to be a little bit more complex. It's going to be worded you know, more articulate and things like that. You get the popular level. They're probably going to have the same themes. They're, they might leave behind some of the basis of how it started in like legal studies and, and things like that. And then you get down to the TikTok level and then you're just mass chaos. So stay off, <laughs> stay off of TikTok. Um, so what I would, <laughs> yes. And what I would add to that, if you're not familiar with critical race theory. So when you get into that, critical race theory starts from, theory with a capital T because it's not just a theory and then there's different subsets of it so you go from critical race theory to gender studies there's different theories within that so it's one of a few if you go back to critical race theorists and theorists they will refer to in their writings a connection to Marxism and original writers prefacing the legal theory 
So a lot of people I'll see will read just very vague information and the academic stuff is not fun. It's confusing. The only reason I did it is for me, it was my faith on the line saying, okay, am I just going crazy? I need to understand what this is. So as a believer, if you really want to go through it, go back to the original sources, but just saying it's a legal theory, that's a very vague, um, research and understanding saying you accept it you really have to go back to some of these originals and say what are they drawing from what are their core tenants like billy just read have you in in the stuff that you read have you seen any sort of connection to what would be called postmodern postmodernism yes so james Lindsay, he is i do not um, take the role, our STM, Steadfast Truth Ministries, does not take the role of saying whether a person is a believer or not. And I've had some commentary on that. But from what I understand, James Lindsay is not a believer. Believer, He is a secular writer and he has a great book because he's an academic on critical race theory. I'm drawing a blank on the name. It's not so, his so most he recent. Two, he has two. He has the cynical, one, cynical theories. That one. Yeah, where he wrote with, uh, it was Helen Pluckrose and yes. Peter Bogosian. Peter Bogosian is a philosopher. Helen Pluckrose, I think, is like a journalist in Britain. And then James Lindsay was like a mathematician in the academic world. Um, I believe that's correct. Somebody can comment on this video and tell me why I'm wrong. But they're, they're, they're pretty much, <laughs> they're academic people, okay? They're not yes. just random street people. They have academic degrees and they teach in universities. Um, yes, so and they're not ahead. coming from a gospel-centric background mm -hmm. either. In fact, so, Peter, Peter Bogosian yeah. wrote a book about how to like make skeptics and make atheists. Um, and yeah, James Lindsay has definitely said that he's not a believer. So that's not us making a judgment. So you him. have seen that. I, I don't mm -hmm. know that I've seen that quote, but I've heard a number of people say unless that. He's unless he's changed in the past year or two, which okay. he might have. But the, from a couple of years ago, he's like, no, he's, I think I'm pretty sure he's an atheist. Yes. So the first book. Cynical what did you theories. say? That? Cynical, Cynical theories. theories. Yes. Mm -hmm. Sorry. My Kindle library is, it's a plethora of books and I float. And a lot of times if I'm writing or researching something, I go through multiples. So my mind gets them all confused. Mm -hmm. Yes. Cynical theories does talk about postmodernism. Um, he's the one that I hear speak about it the most and most thoroughly when I read Neil Shinby, I kind of wonder if he's questioning some of the links that's maybe not the emphasis. So yes, I would say there's a connection. That's not generally where I spend my time on it. What are your thoughts or what were you? Yeah. I mean, I'd be interested to see, especially if Neil uh, says he doesn't think that they are um, from my, I don't think that he would say that it does not, not have the connection. You'd have to go read his review on that book. I can't recall okay. exactly yeah. what he said. Yeah. That'd be great. Right. Um, so I did read cynical theories. Uh, what I was doing is I was in a class on classical philosophy at Southern Evangelical Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina, if anybody's wanting to go. And so I was in a philosophy class and I talked to my professor when I first got introduced to critical race theories. It was the basically the summer before this class started. And one of these kids who uh, I had discipled uh, in Christ and brought him up and helped him become, you know, a relatively mature young man and believer he started going off the rail and how like all white and he's white, all white people are racist and cops are all racist and this and this and this. And I mean, I was like, what? And he was calling me like, because 
because I'm white, obviously, but also because I'm in law enforcement, he was saying that I was all these things. And I was like, bro, you know me. Like, do you, because I worked in Maryland. I was like, do you not remember me going to inner city Baltimore and bringing in underprivileged black kids to our youth group and telling you all not to judge them? You know, they have different backgrounds and we need to love them and share them the gospel. They're human beings too. Like, do you not remember this? And you're calling me. And so I was so, I was taken aback. I was like, what is happening? And so I was like, I got to start looking at this critical race theory thing. And so I asked my professor, can I do a paper on it? And he was like, yeah, that'd be great. So that's how I got connected. I learned about James Lindsay and those guys read the book. Um, and I did a lot of, you know, I did a lot of research on that. It was one of those where I had to stop the rabbit hole because the paper can only be like 15 pages long and I was wanting to make it like 50. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I mean, I believe that there's some connections there. And I'm not going to get into all this stuff that's uh, in regard to my paper. If anybody's interested, I did do like a whole podcast series on critical race theory. I did six episodes where I went through basically the findings of my paper. But I think there are some connections there. I would be really interested to see what Neil says as far as even if he get even if he says ah, there's some connections, but maybe not as much as James says. And I you're think. going back to connections to postmodernism, correct? Yeah, yeah, ex exactly. I do. I do think he would agree. I think he just kind of made reference to. James Lindsay, Helen Pluckrose, that book was very heavy on the postmodern mm -hmm. side. And so I think he might draw back and say, you know, was the emphasis as heavy as they're saying? But again, you'd have to go back to that review. It's All been right. a while. Well, let me give our if we let me give our audience if they don't know about postmodernism, I'll give them a quote here. This is from the Encyclopedia Britannica. It says, quote, the denial of a, that postmodernism is the denial of objective truth. <laughs> that science and technology, even logic and reason, are not vehicles of progress, but instruments used to oppress. Human nature is a societal construct. Language does not refer to a reality outside itself, and general theories of history or science, or history or society are illegitimate meta-narratives. So essentially, the, you know, you don't have objective truth. Postmodernism falls back into subjectivism, and we're not going to get into the whole game, but it'll of exactly what that means, but that's a quote, and you can go look that up for yourself if you don't know what postmodernism is. So, going back a little bit to your history with with critical race theory, um, you first got encountered with it. So, how did you navigate when you took a step back? You said I had to take a step back. I had to get into it and start kind of learning it. What were some of the the first resources that you were reading for and against it? <laughs> I don't even know because I didn't know what I was researching. So okay. in this environment for a few years, I remember, I think it was an interview, a meeting. I asked a question to the interviewee and I can't remember the question, something about culture, current culture, race, microaggressions. I don't remember the question. I'm sorry, but I had asked a question and I and how they would navigate it. And I had some people say, that was a great question that you asked. And he said, it sounds like what you're referring to as CRT. First time I ever heard of it. That was the only time I ever heard of it in that context. So I just went online and I started researching. So it would be all secular sources. I could not tell you what I originally read. I have no idea. But uh, stepping away from that environment, I started to try to find heavily Christian sources. After I read Owen Stray and Bodie Bauckham, some of those that really confirmed and helped with my questions and understanding what was biblical, what was not, 
then I was able to go back it. And after I was able to say, okay, God, what I essentially was doing, Owen Strain has a quote that I put here. What I essentially was doing, I love this quote by Owen Strain. What we're doing with wokeness is it is finished is not technically correct. Wokeness would have us correct Jesus in his dying breath at Calvary. That is what shook me to the core as I was like, I am saying, God, that your death on the cross was not enough because we are trying to put works and it just rocked me to the core. So when I got to the point that I was able to say, okay, this is where I'm letting my faith be weakened. I can't even tell you there are still some things coming out of that that I deal with, but the depression, I could not worship for a while. I didn't want to go to church. Uh, read my Bible because I was like, what's the point of all this if God's not enough? I was really in a dark place. Yeah. So um, for the books that we're talking about here, so Vody Bachman, he came out with a book called Fault Lines. He yes, has a, Fault he has Lines. a really interesting take, um, which, you know, I mean, it's a little preacherish, but you got to love him because he's a fantastic preacher. And he talks about how critical race theory sets up like a new definition of sin, a new definition of justice. They have a new priest class. They have a new set of atonement. So it's really interesting the parallels that he makes of how it's giving us basically a pseudo gospel, which if you're a Christian and you're interested in that, I would highly suggest um, his book. But what's the one by Owen Strand? Do you remember that one? Because I don't think I've read that one yet. I believe it's Wokeness and Christianity. If I could mm -hmm. recommend one book for churches, leaders, Christians, it's it's a solid read. It's kind of lengthy, but that would be Owen Strain's book because it biblically goes through why um, CRT wokeness. He describes wokeness as collective ideas and activism of CRT, intersectionality, people who identify as woke more generally. So he is including a few concepts. Vody Bauckham really hitched just CRT. Mm -hmm. And like you said, they're good for different reasons. Vody Bauckham, I love because it's his story. He gives facts, statistics. It's an, a good read. Owen oh, Strain is in depth. Why is this not biblical? Mm -hmm. And I tend to like to talk about, a lot of people say you're into the whole CRT thing. I like to talk about critical social justice. And I actually think Neil Shenby said Vody Bauckham really was talking critical social justice intersectionality that is Kimberly Crenshaw when we start talking about there's oppressed and not oppressed groups or sorry the oppressed and the victims and so then you start looking at all these categories of if you're heterosexual you're an oppressor and if you're not and I may have said that wrong before so the oppressor groups you're heterosexual Christian um white, white male cisgender Yes. And then if you're a victim or the oppressed, then it's anything opposite that. So that would be intersectionality. But I like the conversation when you're including all that because it really extends past that. So Vody, like what you're saying, he calls ethnic Gnosticism is what he defines CRT. And he may have specifically said anti-racism because you're going back to the original sin is racism. Mm -hmm. Oh, and Strayan, he identified it as utopian judicial paganism. And again, he's kind of, I don't know, maybe Neil would call him critical social justice is what he's talking to. I don't like to use wokeness when I use that. I have people say, so you are, you're conservative, you just watch 
you know, certain news outlets. And I'm like, no, I had to research this. I didn't know what I was talking about. That is not my background at all. So when I say wokeness, critical social justice, if I'm talking to academics, but I'll be honest with you, a lot of academics don't even know these terms. I don't think they're doing this research. So Bodhi Bauckham is good for facts, history, like his story. Owen Strain, if you want a really good why CRT and, and this kind of general conversation is not of God, critical social justice wokeness, would be um, Christianity or wo- and wokeness or something like that. You also have Thaddeus Williams wrote a good mm-hmm. book. Do you remember the title of that? Justice Without Compromise or something. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm horrible with all the names. So on my, on our website, Steadfast Truth Ministries, I list the sources that I would say are go to. You have Monique I'm going to go, I'm going to go back on this podcast. If you're watching now, you're going to see these books pop up on the screen. I'm going to go. I'm sorry. Put it back in post edit. So that way, that way people can see them. No, it's totally fine. And, And two, I would say like, if you want, if you're like, oh, you know, which you shouldn't do this, but oh, they're Christians, you know, and they're going to be biased. Everybody's biased. That's ridiculous. So go get James Lindsay books as well. You got cynical theories. And then he came out with a new one, racist Marxism. Um, I think is what it's called. I got it sitting over there on my bookshelf and I, I've seen quotes from it, but I haven't read it yet because I'm too busy with school, but I'm going to read it here next month. Uh, and I'll be interested to, <laughs> to see some more, uh, some more stuff that he goes through. But Hey, look, we also suggest, like you said, do your own research, go read, you know, some of these books by Abraham Kennedy and Kimberly Crenshaw and Richard Delgado, like go read those books and see firsthand because the experience that I've had is that I will give quotes to people directly from critical race theory advocates. And then those, those other people will deny and tell me that's not what they say. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know what else I can do to try to be honest here because I'm doing research. I'm, I don't watch Fox news. If anybody's watching me right now and they go, you're just some white conservative man. I, yeah. Okay. You, you clearly do not have a good grasp of who I am. Um, that's, I'm going to, I'm not going to get on that soapbox. So, <laughs> Let's say this. Let, let's move to this. Let's move to this topics. We've talked about critical race theory, kind of what it is. Um, let's zone in on some of the main disagreements that you would have, some main concerns that you would have about why you would tell Christians that you should not buy into this whole critical race theory thing. And I'll prep this with a quote that I have again from Delgado in his book, um, Critical Race Theory and Introduction where he talks about critical race theory and he talks about racism and he says like kind of how their definition of racism goes. And he says this quote that no white member of society seems quite so innocent. And what he's talking about is innocent of racism. And this is where I think Vody Bauckham kind of goes down. It's like, it's the new definition of original sin that, you know, if you're white, your original sin is racism. No matter if you actually do racist acts or say racist things, you are in a system that is inherently racist and you benefit from it. So therefore you support racism, whether you like it or not. And that's, that's what critical race theory people say. Um, so what do you, what do you think? Why should people um, who are Christians really not buy into this? So that's a big, qu- that's loaded. There's so many different elements. Again, I think the person who does, the best from a biblical standpoint is Owen Strayan. Um, the person I appreciate from a secular standpoint, James Lindsay. But I would first would say what I recognized is it presents as another worldview or religion. 
something James Lindsay said is he in his most recent book you mentioned is it cultural Marxism it might be he in his most recent book says CRT is a religion he's very clear about that he did not do that before I think in the previous one I saw Neil Shinby do an interview that said Helen Pluckrose referred to it as a meta narrative mm -hmm. uh, but now Lindsay is saying it is a religion. I love that he also goes on to say it's a denomination within a constellation of related religions. So the first thing that I noticed is that it was a worldview taking over. And the more I read into it, like if you get into Kendi and anti-racism, uh, he even did an interview where he says he doesn't believe in savior theology. He was often how he described that, but he doesn't need a savior he even talks about in his book, how to be an anti-racist. It's a secular ideology or religion or secular, I forget the word he uses. So if you go to these sources, they're very, certain ones are very clear. And then when we get into intersectionality, Christianity is an oppressor. So we are in the wrong as Christians believing what God told us. If we hold to what you're saying that I was, because I am white, I am inherently wrong. We're saying Christ did not make me with perfection as he said I did, how he chose to make me. Uh, what I will say about that, some people will say, hey, they're not saying that you are wrong because you're white. It's socialization. If you, all of this gets very complicated. If you go back to the original sources though, the socialization in society is inevitable. I think it's Robin D'Angelo in White Fragility who talks about essentially you can't be white and go through society and, and hope that you can treat everybody the same. It's not within you. And it's very clear quotes. So that's why it's important to go back to one thing to mention on what you had previously said, Billy, is that if you're gonna go read these original sources and you're not in an environment where people would support, support what you're saying, hey, this is not of God, that's where I really struggled because I did not, I was around so many leaders and we were training people kind of in accepting this. So if you're reading this, I would make sure you have somebody outside of that environment or with you that can help you kind of talk through why this is not of God and you're looking at these things and, and aligning them with scripture or, or saying how they're not aligning with scripture. Um, so go back if you are just side note to making sure you stay grounded in your faith and you do have big voices, Vody Bauckham, Strayan, Thaddeus Williams is a professor at Biola, different um, Christian leaders who are standing up saying this does present as a new religion. So the new religion, that's why I engage is because I some I had a person email me recently and they said, so what I don't get is why you're writing on these issues such as lament, um, anti-racism, some of these books like Latasha Morrison, Be the Bridge. This is not a primary gospel issue. That is the most core central thing to me is I do believe it is a primary gospel issue because I think we are saying, Christ, what you did on the Christ, cross is not enough what Owen Strand said and that gets me to the core because I was there not everybody goes there some people view it as a legal theory but it 
even if you go to original sources, they will say this goes beyond these, the legal field and they'll mention all the fields it is in now. They even mention religion. Um, there's so many quotes, I just can't have them all here. Yeah, no, I mean, even like a, you made me think Ibrahim Kennedy talks about there's no non-racist act. It's either racist acts or anti-racist acts. And by anti-racist acts, he means like proactively fighting racism and and i put that in quotes because it's their definition of racism not what what i would consider the traditional you know understanding of what racism is um which i that's one of the distinctions that i found is that they do just just completely give new definitions of everything it's like justice new definition racism new definition you know it's like Mm -hmm. So we're not even talking the same. That's one thing. If you're studying this stuff yes. out that you have to recognize is that when you read some of the language, they are using those terms in completely different loaded ways, which is fine if they were if they were more upfront and honest about it to yes. say, hey, I'm using this term, but not in the traditional way that you might be used to. Let me define it. And then I'm going to use it this way throughout my text. That's what they should do. Yeah. Uh, so you are very correct on that. What I found and why I realized I could not um, uphold my beliefs in this environment is that we were kind of talking different languages like what you're saying, because a lot of believers even are accepting these thoughts of when you're talking racism, nowadays, it means that it's a problem with the whole system. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you're saying, it's not an individual act of... so let's just stop there. If we talk about that in the Bible, God talks about it as a matter of a heart. There's something within CRT, all of this conversation that's impact over intent paradigm. And they paradigm, they say that what is most important is feelings. If somebody feels hurt by you, that dictates what is Mm -hmm. wrong. So it's not about if I meant to do it, God talks about what as believers, it is a matter of the heart. So they automatically assume it is all a collective issue. So right there, that one phrase, you've got multiple issues. So that's where I say, (laughs) it's hard to give you a limited example, but what you're saying, yes, we're having different conversations too. Yeah. And that's one of those postmodernism connections that I, that I had found, you know, that they take it from objective truth. Like, because I think that you could do something that is objectively wrong, but you didn't intend to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, that's cool. And when it's brought to your attention, the right thing to do is apologize and make whatever rights that you need to. But what CRT does is they take it even further and they go, no, you know, you can do something that like nobody would say is wrong. But if that one person felt like they were offended, that's what matters. Then you were in the wrong. Yes. So what really comes down to is like, truth and let's say even in this example racism does not come down to whether i intended to do something or whether it's actually objectively wrong it comes down to the person's subjective feeling and so that just opens up the gambit to where it's like then everything is racist and critical race theory people will go yes exactly now you get it Mm -hmm. and then you get into christian environments people will say so do you feel like sin is only an individual issue there's so many big topics mm-hmm. that you always get into. And I say, well, no, there can be times. But again, you've got to go back to biblical exegesis. What did God intend in this passage? A lot of times when I go back to the sources, it's taken out of context. And it's 
eisegesis or like we did in my environment where we take justice, we create whatever meaning. And I remember one comment, like, no, let's add scripture. And I don't know if it was that specific setting in regards to that word, but saying um, these other individuals don't know how to interpret scripture like we do. And I'm sitting there thinking, have these individuals even had exegesis classes like methods of Bible study, hermeneutics? And I'm like, we, <laughs> this is just, so I think good intentions, but we're not educated and we're not on track with that. Which, and so that brings me to the point that I, I, I think you're, correct me if I'm wrong, probably the same mindset that I think church leaders need to do their homework, need to do the hard work of sitting down mm -hmm. and reading, and then compassionately and tactfully mm -hmm. bringing these conversations and to their churches. And you could do it in a plethora of ways. It doesn't mean you sit up on a Sunday morning all the time and you just go, let me give you the next three weeks of why critical race theory is wrong. I'm not saying that's the way to do it, but what you can do is you can start having conversations, you know, and you can start maybe bringing people in and maybe, maybe host your own podcast, maybe go on a podcast. Like who knows, like just start having the conversation. So your people of your congregation who you are supposed to be shepherding, you are actually shepherding through this crazy issue. So you've you, other social, go can ahead. I interrupt you real quick? Yeah. You made a very interesting point when you talk about pastors. So anybody watching this, if you think about it, your pastor, when they went to seminary or they go to college, unless it's been in the last handful of years, probably did not even um, hear of this issue or was not taught it, most likely, unless it is a young pastor. And even so, if you're in Christian education, I don't know that the other side is being presented. And especially when you get into intercultural studies, I don't know that this is even a discussion because when you're learning about race, race is not even a biblical term. If we go back to the Bible, ethnicity with would be the most biblical term when we talk about social biblical groups and such. So interestingly, your pastor was probably not taught this, so it will be hard for them to want to address it. And it's a lot of research. And so for them to all of a sudden be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna say it's a new religion. I mean, that's a big step, wouldn't you agree, Billy? That Oh, 100%, you know, and, and if you're, I mean, the thing is if you're a pastor, you know, or any sort of church leader, even if it's a non-church, but it's a Christian-based organization and you're for some reason dealing with this, like it just comes down to you have to do your homework because it's your responsibility. You are the leader and these, mm -hmm. and people are looking to you to be the leader. And, you know, I've always said this, there's a reason why God set up teachers in the church because not everybody has time to study 10, 15, 20, 30 hours a week on, on the Bible or things related to it. That's the job of the pastor and the preachers and the ministers and the churches is sit down, read some books, study your Bible, and then come bring some good stuff to your people. That's what your job, that's a primary focus of your job. Um, I would say that, again, going back to Owen Strayan's book, I think he has questions at the end of each chapter. That would be a great book to go through with your leadership team, maybe you as a pastor, then a leadership team, and then maybe turning that into something. I know that Mm -hmm. As you've mentioned, Center for Biblical Unity, CFBU, they travel and they will consult and help different organizations. If you ever have, Bodie Bauckham has tons of YouTube videos and yep. such on the issue. Do you have any other thought? I'm just trying to think right yeah, off. Steadfast Truth Ministries. If you go to her Instagram and check it out, <laughs> she's got some good Obviously stuff on there. <laughs> But I will say, um, that is what got to me why Steadfast Truth Ministries exists because nobody was talking about it. 
I had to do my research at the time you just had Modi Owen CFBU coming out. So I've had some people say it's an emerging topic. And so we're not ready to make a stance. I mean, but if you're getting told that it's not biblical and you have quotes and you're still yeah. taking that stance and people ask you to pray for them, that's when I'm like, wow, like you as a leader, you're accountable. I can pray for you, but if you're not yeah. going to follow up on that. It's like, it's like the enemies are not just at the gate. They've actually broken the gate and they're infiltrating and you're going, well, it's an emerging problem. Well, you better deal with it because <laughs> before you know it, they're going to storm the castle and you're not going to be sitting on the throne anymore. I do have yeah. empathy though for any Christian leader because I get it. If you take a hard stance mm -hmm. on CRT and I've had some people say, we may agree with you, but we won't take that stance because it is too hard. You often are labeled a racist, yep. a big, all these different things. Yep. And I had to come to terms with God, it's not about me anymore. Um, and, and past that fear, because you do, a lot of people are afraid because they're like, well, maybe we haven't been good to people in the past with uh, blacks or whatnot. And so they, they go back and they say, well, we can't take a stance on this, but are you saying that God's death on the cross is not enough? I go back to some point you deal with that, you correct it if you have wrongs in your past, mm -hmm. but then you move on and you speak truth. And the thing is, too, like what we have to remember, and this is what we said at the very beginning, is there's an element of truth to all of this stuff. And you can accept those elements of truth without buying into critical race theory. And, and I talked about this when I did my paper is that like there are things that critical race theory says that are not unique to critical race theory. You know, like, hey, has America done a really crappy job in the past of like, let's say, treating uh, the black community when it came to uh, slavery? Yeah, 100% agree with it. And that was terrible. And that really mm -hmm. set that entire ethnicity back, you know, in the hole, really bad for them moving forward in this society and being equal with everybody else. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. But that's not unique to critical race theory. Guess what? There are other people for, you know, years and years and years who have been saying that exact same thing. And it never started with critical race theory. So, you know, as far as a pastor goes, like, I get it too, because as a white man, if I'm going to stand up, you know, as some leader in a church, I'm going to have to realize, hey, I have minorities in my church and I need to make sure that I'm not just coming across as only seeing one side of the political spectrum because you shouldn't be doing that sort of level of politics in your church. Unfortunately, some of that stuff overlaps. You can't avoid it. So you can't avoid it. You have to deal with it in some sense. You have to build those relationships with your people so they know your heart. So they go, you know what? I know him and, and I know that that guy, you know, is not sitting there um, as a racist or as not sensitive to, you know, maybe my upbringing and my experiences and things like that. And I've had plenty of uh, conversations with minorities in my congregation and they know that I run a podcast and some of them have listened to my critical race theory stuff and have said, great job, love it, keep up what you're doing, you know, and that's why I don't buy into the hype of what, you know, what you see on social media or in the news about some of this stuff. So I want to move into this question in regard to backlash. So, you know, when you do take a stand, you've talked about, you know, you're going to have to deal with the fact that people are going to call you names and say bad things against you. You have an Instagram account. You're active on social media. What sort of backlash have you gotten from people on the internet? To be honest with you, I've been amazed that it's not been more. Nice. I think, I really think that, 
that God has gone before us and partly probably because he knew my past and that there was he some healing that had to be done initially. Uh, there's a few things that tend to get reactions. Like you mentioned, if you put an actual quote from theorists or critical race theorists, that sparks because there's such bold statements that sparks a response and maybe anger. But it's so interesting because you can't contradict a quote. Like you had said once before, well, it's on page such and such. So uh, specifically when I, another thing that I might do is refer to Christian in quotations. Again, it is not my role or my desire to say if somebody is a believer, but it's important as believers to know what is of God. So if I'm reading something and it does not align with scripture, I might put Christian in quotations so that people can know uh, I might see some conflicts. So mm -hmm. you need to be careful about how you're reading this. So that when I've had number of people that will stop communicating, not unfriended me, but get frustrated on different posts. Um, and it's again, different people when I say something like that and they think I am judging if somebody is a believer or not. Again, not my role, but I'm gonna speak truth. And if it is not of God, I can't say for sure that I know that, that this person is a believer. So I might put it in quotations just to clarify because our goal is to give facts, give, give truth and help people learn how to filter. Uh, I'm trying to think. Have you had anybody in your personal life who knows what you do and, and might give you some pushback? I had a, a hard time putting a board together to create this nonprofit. People not wanting to put their name attached to it. I, that was never the reason, but if we can be honest, I really do wonder if that was the reason. So to have a board and even have a nonprofit with this was very hard. Again, it may not have been that, but I really do wonder most people in ministry, I don't think want to make that attachment, that statement. Again, it's a hard statement to make. And so they think it's too harsh or it's going to create conflict. But I'm thinking if people need to know truth and know that there might be a religion that exists out there that is something we've not ever learned about or taught, you wouldn't have learned in seminary. They need to know. The church you know, needs to know. That's so. such a good point. This, I literally just thought about this in the moment. You, I don't think you will find too many evangelical preachers who will have a problem telling their people in congregations, Sunday morning, Sunday school, Wednesday nights, small groups, whatever it is, going, Hey, we're going to do a series on Mormonism and tell you why it's wrong. We're going to talk about Jehovah Witnesses, tell you why it's wrong. Buddhism, tell you why it's wrong. Taoism, tell you why it's wrong. New Ageism, tell you why it's wrong. Critical race theory, mm, we're not going to touch that. You know, it's like, why is that? It's it's another religion. It's a false religion. So yeah. why not talk about it? Great question. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, yeah. So so we're talking about churches a lot right now. Let's kind of let's let's kind of conclude with this. We don't want to just say, "Hey, this is what we're against." We also want to talk about how the church can do a better job at moving forward. So, how do you think churches should start to begin to have this conversation about critical race theory or even the larger topics of race and racism? Because clearly, there I mean nobody look, nobody here is denying that there are that there is racism in our culture. Not denying that. I disagree with the de definition of it by critical race theory people. And I, I disagree with the solution to it, but mm -hmm. 
but not denying that racism is there. So how can we as Christians and churches do a better job of dealing with this issue? So with Steadfast Truth Ministries, our initial goal is to educate because I noticed over the past year or so is when the book started coming out for it is presenting as a new religion. And I didn't have any answers in regards to your question. So I think I'm, I am still in the, uh, this year I'm hoping to produce a, re a resource that's one of our goals. Just a very simplistic, our goal is to give you just kind of bullets, simple understanding of it. Uh, past that, I don't, I don't know all of our goals and what that fully looks like. What I will say as far as, is I've been processing and learning and growing over the last year. I think we need to go back to the beginning, start in Genesis, start with God's story. So even as I mentioned words like race, we can't ignore culture. We have to understand it. And like you said, there are definitions, but we can go back to a more accurate term is not the ethnicity because we're talking about social groups or nations or people. God never says all black people, all white people. That is a social construct, which is correct that CRT says mm -hmm. that. So we need to go back to understanding biblically. What is the correct way to view this? Again, CRT, anti-racism, all these things are trying to change the conversation. And what I noticed in my environment, we're adding scripture to it. So I don't know, is that in our future? I think you have curriculum from currently from CFBU, Center for Biblical Unity, which is reconciled uh, on how to grow biblical unity. I don't know if it I would have to look over it again to tell you if I really think it, it um, also educates on filtering and understanding. Um, so that could be a starting place. I think Owen Strand's book is a starting place. I don't know if that's something we might produce in the future. Again, our board, we all work. Um, and so what we do is limited. If God blesses us with finances or grows this to a point that we can put more full-time into it, we'll produce more materials. So again, we're heavily on Instagram. We do have a blog, Facebook. But yeah, what tell, I can tell, tell, tell you tell, right now... Tell us about those real quick so people can go find you. Tell us what your Instagram is, your blog, and all that sort of other stuff. Everything is Steadfast Truth Ministries. The only thing I will say with YouTube, you have to have at least 100 followers. We didn't really jump into that fully and so it's a crazy name but we are on there as steadfast truth ministries when we get to 100 then i can change the name so that may be hard to find but that uh thank you billy dyer for helping me learn all of this the camera the lighting the microphone now we have this set up and hopefully in the future of this year we can start getting more youtube filming and content. i sure hope you do keep on so yes thank you um but I would start by, we need to go back to biblical definitions. So we need to understand culture. We can't ignore race. We can't ignore the conversation. But then we need to go to exegetic um, understanding as God intended interpretation of scripture. So like you're saying, we match those things up, move forward, hopefully with a new understanding. And I don't know if that, again, is something that we will provide, but reconciled CFBU, you have just thinking podcast again right now i push others because i want to make sure for me it's not about me mm -hmm. it is 
I will tell you, I have been a professional, a director, run some bigger things, but part of this whole ministry, part of me does not want to get into the producing perfectionism and all of this, because I just, I want it to be of God and it's not for my glory. It is so that you have what you need to know truth. And I, I really pray that, that people will pursue that and pastors and leaders will step up to the plate. I'm sorry. That's not a great answer, Billy, but it, I think it's, right now, it's a great answer. No, I want, I want the truth. You know, I want authenticity and, and I'll be honest with you. Like that's the, that's the same sort of struggle that um, I know that I've had. And I, I would like to hope that other people who have moved into the the podcasting world or the YouTube world and things like that have is that I'm, I'm not trying to build me. I'm not trying to build my brand. You know, there's an element of that because you have to, you know, get, get subscribers and get a platform and get an audience. But I, I too, you know, want God to be glorified. And that's why I want to promote other people. And that's why I'm telling people, Hey, go find steadfast truth ministries. Um, I'm not the end all to be all on critical race theory. I've, I've read some books on it and I've done my own research, but go check out you go check out Monique, go check out, um, Owen Strand and Vody Bauckham and all these Neil other guys. Shenby. Neil Neil Shenby. Shenby. Yep. Just but, thinking my goal is no one was speaking these words to me, mm-hmm. giving me any emblem of, of hope or somebody that would say this presents as another religion so i am all for getting those names out there um and the curriculum that are out there i think i've heard samuel say have you heard his name mm-hmm. i think he's trying to get some curriculum out there i am all for whatever gets out there promote that use that in your churches your ministries and we'll put out what we have when we have it again as we are able to with our jobs and taking care of our families the more voices the better so thank you so much for coming on the podcast again people go find steadfast truth ministries on the internet and reach out to her reach out to me if you have any questions or if you need some help in this topic because we are here for you thanks again everybody have a great day